Welcome back to the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we have an interview with a uh, new friend of the program, uh, R&B singer and rapper, Milkshaw Benedict. Um, it was a great interview with him. Uh, we, we were able to connect a few weeks back at uh, Phoenix's first show, so it was kind of nice to um, get, get somebody on the show, on the podcast from that show, but... Uh, we are actually in studio. We're recording this on Thursday night. I think this is the first four, time. Four in a row or three? It's at least a trifecta. Was, yeah, what was la- last Friday? I don't know if we did in person. But this is, I know, I'm almost positive this is our very first night recording. I think very early we did a couple. Also, I'm good, Andrew. Oh, well, Thank you for a, asking. We did a couple. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we, we did a couple interviews at night yeah like we did a couple okay. Nate LaJoy yeah, 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 ones. Yeah. we did uh or the Nate LaJoy one we did Phoenix was later in the day um Nate and Austin the first the day we did both of those Cam Randall those were the same day DK but those were the only ones we did later yeah because that's Cause before we also, we also haven't had many guests come in the in studio since then yeah the only one has really been Phoenix the second time around we did that on a Sunday morning I feel like the times that you can come down to Jersey um, it'd be kind of cool to do some in studio there. Yeah, no, I'll pack up all the stuff. What, what yeah. do you mean? It's literally just the mics and the soundboard. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, whenever I come down, I'll bring all the stuff so we can record an episode for the week. Um, because the audio quality, we, we talked about it, is a thousand times better when we're actually here and using the mics instead of using our computer audio over Zoom. Yep. But... I mean, it's going to be a lot of Zoom stuff. I'm going to get the mic to attach to my laptop when I go back to school. So the audio will be better. But we're going to pretty much from about August to like Thanksgiving, unless we have holiday breaks in between where we can connect for an episode, it's going to be a ton of, pretty much all our episodes will be Zoom uh, related. Yeah, but I'll get a USB mic. Um, you'll get a USB mic, so the audio should be just about yeah. the same as. That's this a couple months down the line. We'll have all our yeah. we'll have all our shit ironed out on that. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll teach you how to use um, electronics. Yeah, yeah, because I, even at that, like, I may bring some of the equipment up to school and do if we have people at school, like I want to have on, mm-hmm. do interviews with For them sure. and stuff like that from uh, inside a dorm or at like the library or something, because then we have like different rooms we can get into and. Uh, Kind of just make it make it private to do it. Make sure we don't have any outside noise coming in. That's, so yeah. that that's huge. So, um, but other than that, so we, we I do want to talk about we talked. You sent it to me last night. The rules for the Floyd Mayweather fight this Saturday are. Let me just read it to you. Fucking outrageous. I will say half of it makes sense. When you get to the bottom of it, it no, makes the bottom does make sense. Where, where was the where was the all right. So the thing that I sent you was a graphic that, um... Oh, oh, no, the bottom doesn't. It's no judges, no official winner. But it makes... Okay, so this is on um, ESPN Rinks on Instagram, and it's the rule set for Mayweather, Paul, 
And the things that are listed are knockout up to referee discretion. Okay. Eight three-minute rounds. Okay. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Knockout's legal. 12-ounce yep. gloves. No headgear, no judges, no official winner red. Now, you get down to those bottom two. No. You get down to, I would say, um, the KO up to referee discretion and knockout's legal are more... I think there's more to talk about there than no judges, no official winner red. Because this is... Like, on paper, this is an exhibition. And when I think of exhibition, I think of Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., where um, they make it known that it's live sparring, pretty much, or hard sparring, where um, on here it says knockout up to referee discretion and knockout's legal. And that, referees were not legal. And on top of that, there were no winners. Mm -hmm. So, the... That's where those last two make sense to me. Like no. I, I, I like the idea. I, we, I understand where you're saying where it's an exhibition, and I agree. You think the exhibition, you think two train fighters where that, that rule is understood that, hey, it's live sparring pretty much. Yep. But I also look at this as a massive pay-per-view hit. You've got the a ton of media up leading up to it. For sure. They, I mean, whether it's scripted or not, you have legitimate... You're making it a legitimate, uh, you're making it theater pretty much, where you make it known that these two guys may or may not actually like each other. So I, I, I do think the knockout should be included in. Correct. I, I do not like the no winner red. So the only reason I don't like that is someone's going to get knocked out. There's yes. a winner. Like, there's obviously winners. Someone's right. laying down. The ref is... But, but but even say, like, that it goes the distance. Somehow goes the distance. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that because then it's like, oh, I just paid X amount of money to watch a tie. Unless they marketed it differently, saying, like, this is for charity. And, mm-hmm. like, these guys were all friendly, friendly kind of thing. Where right. that the winner actually isn't very important. Like what Connor and Poirier were going to do in Ireland before their uh, round two took place in January. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's kind of stupid. Like, yeah, because of how much money it's gonna make, it's gonna be a sold out arena. Like, it's kind of dumb because they're both in shape athletes. It's not like it's two old dudes where um, the winner doesn't really matter. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and this this really does matter for the amount of money that is. Being put into this, I as a, a a consumer, I do want to know who is going to win. There's gonna be a knockout. There's obviously gonna be a winner. I think Floyd's gonna knock him out. Like you said, what you say, fourth period, fourth round last time we said it. Yeah, you said I, I said, said th- four. You said yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. so we agree it's going to be in the first half of the fight. Actually, cut that. Find out our predictions on episode eighty-one. Yes, go back listen to episode eighty-one. Um, that was at, yeah, we talked about the Floyd Mayweather fight, um, a little more of it, but before we knew the rules, and we have the interview with Jeff Nadeau, so go check that one out, but uh, I, if it, it is a smart thing on their part for not putting these rules out prior, because I think there would have been a lot of interest lost in it, had these rules already been out, so doing that a couple days in advance is a smart marketing tactic, it's one I, I do not like as a consumer, but when you've got that... Uh, the amount of money you know could be brought in, it's it's a smart thing to do. For sure. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's it's upsetting. It, it is it is really... Um, I shouldn't even say upsetting. It's just asinine. It, it, it really does suck. All right, so also back on episode 81, we talked a little bit about Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley, uh, that fight being talked about. 
I believe that's now been finalized. And there is a thing that was put in the contract, and I want to know your opinion on it. Okay. So per contract, there automatically has to be a second fight between the two if Jake Paul loses. Um, Why? Yeah, I don't. It, I, I, especially when it comes to these money grab fights. When it, no, especially when it comes to you're not a fighter. No, exactly. Saying, yeah, when yeah, it comes yeah. to these money grab fights, they aren't meant to be a saga. You're, no. Nobody wants to see Nate Robinson fight again. Nobody no. wants to really see Askren fight again, again in a boxing ring. So why are you throwing these stipulations in that for when you know you're going to lose to Tyrone Woodley... That you're gonna have to have another fight. If I, I mean, I don't blame Tyrone Woodley for Except, signing the sure. contract because it's more like, money. All right, I'm going to get two massive paydays yeah. out of this because I'm gonna kick the shit out of you in the first fight, and then uh, a couple months later, you're gonna train a little bit harder. I'm gonna continue training, and then I'm gonna kick the shit out of you again. I can't even say it's like a smart thing to do on Jake Paul's side because he can literally pick anybody, and it's gonna be a big payday for him. If you wanted to say. Well, he can't pick anybody under UFC banner because Dana right. won't allow it. Thank you, Dana. Um, exactly. Yeah, that, that's huge that Dana's not letting that happen. Yeah. Well, so yeah, Jake Paul can pick, I don't know, fight Logan Paul next. But he can literally pick anybody to make a massive payday. It's pretty ridiculous to want to get your ass kicked twice. You're not going to make the public think differently about you. It's uh, Okay, so we both agree Tyrone Woodley's going to win the first fight. Correct. Does Jake Paul get on a cycle, a steroid cycle, for the second fight? You know there's no way they're drug testing. Are you asking me if he's going to take steroids or if he's going to win? I'm saying is he going to get on steroids for the second fight? No, because I don't think he cares about the fight. Putting in the two-fight the two fight rule... The two-fight rule if he loses the, the, Dude, if he he's lose the trying, first one. he's trying to play boxers so hard. And it's I mean, re- he's doing it. Okay, so... Putting that two-fight thing, like if he loses, he's literally modeling that off of the Tyson Fury-Deontay uh, Wilder thing. So fu- so uh, a, a matchup that actually has legitimate buzz around it and real well, implications versus... A buzz that um, that second round or that second fight on the contract has been disputed very recently. has right. been all over like boxing news, uh, combat sports news. Yeah. That's exactly why Jake Paul is doing that right now because he's trying to play boxer. Like, there's no way, in my opinion, that he would have put that or would have agreed to that if they weren't doing that. That's a good point. I mean, I I, I get what he's doing in that position. You do want to make a lot of money, and he's doing that. So I, you really can't even blame him. But it is frustrating to see. No, I'm gonna blame him. <laughs> I but, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna do exactly that. Actually. I know. I want to blame him, but I you gotta see. How much money is being... I, I'm playing the devil's advocate here, because, but I, I, I'm i on your side. I hate it. But the amount of money that is coming in that he is going to make, that Tyrone Woodley is going to make, is going to be astronomical. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know how much... I don't know. It's not a thriller thing where they're like putting... Thank God it's not a thriller thing. Thriller... But we always say Triller fucking sucks. It's scheduled for August, so I don't know how much press you can do between. Who cares about it right now? Who? Um. So I don't know how much press and marketing can do between now and like like August twenty eighth to make people actually care about it. Yeah. Like I know they did the stupid um gotcha hat shit for Logan and uh, well no it wasn't Logan but the Logan and 
what's his face, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather yeah. fight, which got some people to care about it in a sense because it's like, oh, these people don't like each other, like you said. Right. Um, they do it. Uh, Tyron and Jake, I believe they had a face off today. I didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, and I still don't care about it. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we'll, we'll care about it I think, a little bit more when it gets like a couple it, weeks out. We'll, I, we'll, it'll, we'll have a little more buzz. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more, I think. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, it, just overall, we always come back to it. The money grab fights are a pain in the ass. They, they're hurting the sport of boxing. And as like, I, like, I'm not a legit boxing fan. I'm not going to sit here and act like I am, but... I can only imagine what a real boxing fan is thinking about this right now. Guys that are, uh, like, they, they've been fans through through and through, and now you're seeing your sport rooms get taken over by UFC fighters and uh, YouTube celebrities, pretty much. So it, it, it must be frustrating for legit fans. I don't have a big problem with the UFC fighters or MMA fighters transitioning because... I can't really think... Well, there are examples of boxers and every type of martial artist martial artists martial artists that's what they're called now um going into martial arts like that's every fighter practically like there's muay thai guys jujitsu guys boxers that all transition to mma so there's not really a big difference from an mma fighter going into boxing like anderson silva who's about to fight um julio cesar chavez in mexico junior soon Mm -hmm. um so that's a mma fighter one of the goats arguably who's transitioning over in mma in his later part of his um Fighting career. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at this that you sent me from uh, Boshamania. The Burroughs versus Imar on June 18th. Yeah, if that was like... If that was last year, I think I'd be much more interested. I'm interested, but Imar just lost to Drew Foster, right? I think Imar's going to beat Burroughs, though. No, it's not the same. I, I would agree if he didn't have that surgery and layoff. Like, Imar lost to Drew Foster. I think Drew Foster. Um... Like, two months ago. So, if he's losing to a guy like Foster, no offense to Foster, he's not going to be the same guy that beat JB a couple years ago. I don't know, man. After There's seeing also, JB, could, uh, last time I saw JB wrestle, he looked tired, demoralized. I mean, and it was, he didn't look sharp when he wrestled uh, to make the world team, which I think was... Olympic uh, team. Olympic, yes, Olympic team, that's what I meant. Uh which was definitely a tough thing to watch. I mean, doubles, he wasn't really finishing through. He would kind of get to his knees and stop a little bit. Like, he just didn't look like the dominant Jordan Burroughs. So, I, I like Imar winning this. So, in my opinion, the story is less about his performance during the finals Olympic trials. I think it's more how will he perform at 79 compared to 74. Because I believe they're both doing scratch weight at 79. Yeah, at 79, yeah. And even Imar. Imar's not a big 79. He's a 74 guy. He looks a bit, I don't know why, Imar looks huge. He looked, Com- like, when he wrestled in college at 65, he looked massive compared, and same with a guy like Marinelli. Marinelli looked huge in college. I think Imar looked like a good 65. He looked huge at 57. He was beefy. He was, he was thick. Like, thick neck, big shoulders. Nah, that's cool. You have a crush on Imar. Like, I, no, it's, coming, it's coming here it's first. It's Mason Paris. Oh, okay. Mason Paris with the thick neck. But, uh... Also, kind of in the wrestling world, uh, Austin Gomez to Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm hoping he can stay healthy. I believe he still has three more years. Seven of el- years of eligibility. I think he has about eight or nine more years right of now. eligibility. Um, it's crazy because it's not like he's. It's not like he didn't like his current situation and moved mm-hmm. to Wisconsin. He retired. Like he 
made the it was anna- concussions, right? The it was concussions, yeah. And it was a big deal about him retiring. And now he um, got out of retirement. And I, I don't know. I kind of want to. I preferred him staying at Iowa State. Um, it's going to be weird seeing him wrestle for Wisconsin. I agree. Um, I guess he's the Seth Gross replacement. I was going to say, I was wondering if Seth Gross was still at Wisconsin, but he graduated, right? I don't even know how big Gomez would be. He's probably going to go like... 41? 41 or 49. He looks he like... He was a 33 before. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he... he there's no way he says... I think he goes 41. Yeah. I, w- I don't want to see him 33, personally. Oh, that would be brutal to watch him go 33. Yeah, I think because I think he got that... He would be a, a, a big 33, though. Yeah, he got that sea bass thing going on where he just like he's just big, like he just yeah. yeah. Uh, but it is good to see him. I, I I like you said. I do hope he stays healthy because concussions are no joke. And when you really come to a decision to say, "Hey, I'm going to walk away from the sport I love," that's a tough thing to do. And now you're you must you must be at least in good health. Have seen some doctors to kind of to, to at least. Make the decision to come back, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, we're talking about um, a possible move of the forty-one. Um, I read earlier a possible move down to twenty-five by Dayton Fix. I thought you were going to say by Austin uh, Gomez. I was going to say we're just talking about him going thirty-three and how outrageous that would be. No, he's going twenty-five. Yeah, no. There's rumors going around that Fix might go down to twenty-five. Which he'd be a hammer at twenty-five. He'd be a hammer, but it's also also you probably you have that dream. NCAA finals match between Fix and Spencer Lee. That's yes. Yes. Think that, of yeah, like yeah. Think of Suriano coming back too. I don't think he, he will. Is but he gonna go twenty five if he comes back? He has eligibility, but I don't think he's coming back. No way. Also, I'd me, love to see him come back though. I love him. He's great for the sport. Oh, for sure. Um, there's the guys that have eligibility that probably are not coming back, like Michich. He's probably never coming back. I like Michich. I honestly, I he I thought he was done. I thought he graduated. No, but yeah. I, I really don't. I think his time passed at Michigan at least. Like, I don't think he'd come back to Michigan. He trains there right now. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think I could see him back in the lineup. What do you mean? Like, like, I couldn't you don't think him. he would, or you think he? You don't think he'd like have the spot? No, I think he could have the spot. I just can't picture him coming back and no, wrestling. I agree. Yeah, 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 like just coming back into college. Um, but yeah, oh my God, Fix Lee would be a great final if Fix went down to twenty five. He's so dominant on top, it, it, he would just be a hammer because he'd be so much stronger than a lot of the guys he'd wrestle against. And really, him and Spencer Lee would be an awesome finals match. What do you think the final would... Not final, but like, how do you think that match would end up? Um, I don't know. Like, Dayton has beaten Spencer. I think Spencer has beaten Dayton. Both in freestyle, obviously. Um, I I I don't see being that competitive. I think really? Spencer wins. I think Spent. I don't know. Um, Fix I see Spencer really strong. That's where I look at it. You're asking. Well, we were asking me what I think the score would be. Not. So I, I said score, but I'm like that's really tough to. I think tough. Spencer wins. That's yeah. All. That's what I'm saying. Like your outcome, kind of. Um, I think Spencer's just too good on top. I'm saying that from Spencer. Yeah. Um. He really doesn't have to be too good on bottom. Like, Dayton's not going to... Dayton's not like... Dayton doesn't have the kind of reputation reputation that Spencer has on top of turning guys or getting back. He's good at riding, though. That's the only thing. Yeah, but he's going to get, what, like a point of... 
back I, I know it's just it's people. but when you if you can ride a guy out for a period at least like a period you're gonna wear a guy down real it's gonna be tough for him to kind of bounce back from getting rode out an entire period I mean what what Spencer or what Ryan Deacon did to a lot of guys this year he would ride him out he'd win matches five nothing or four nothing by just riding guys out pretty through the entire match yeah it's a lot of fun watching it's it no I, I agree it's not a entertaining thing to watch I mean what he did to uh Jesus what's his name Kramer or not uh young Yes, Caleb Young. He you you're, you have Seinfeld on the mind. I know. I'm I, I I mix up all the Iowa guys, but uh, what he did to him was brutal assault. Like that was assault with a deadly weapon, and deadly weapon was him in the top position. Yeah, but hypothetically, let's just say that um, let's say Fix is on top in the third. Yeah. Um, He's not turning him. No, exactly. So he's just going to get that one point. And he might not even get a point because he might... Let's yeah, just... but, then, but then he'd lose 14-1. to 1. Yeah, exactly. It would, it would be, he would make it a little closer. Yeah, no. Hype, hopefully we can see this early if he does go on 25 with Oklahoma facing Iowa mm-hmm. in the preseason or during the season. It's entertaining. Um, another fun recruit or a fun recruit, uh, Cody Chittum committing to Minnesota. That's crazy. Number one at 145. And I liked what Gable said. Gable tweeted, um, we all remember what happened the last time a number one recruit committed to uh, Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think Chittum wrestles at? 57 probably, I'd say. I mean, he's only no. a sophomore. Um, He's a high school sophomore. you got to think there's still room for him to grow. You don't, I don't expect him to stick around really. Well, I don't expect him to be tall, taller. Yeah, I mean, I... 49 maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so because if he's around like one fifty five or like even at one fifty seven, that they'll he'll cut to forty nine. Is he? I don't think is he a sophomore. Yeah, the, you saw it on what Bosch. Yeah. Yeah, he's Cody Chittum, number one sophomore at one forty five, commits to Minnesota. Wow, I've heard his name so often now. Like I kind of wow. I mean, he was probably so dominant through the youth circuit and whatnot. Yeah, that's true. Um, couple housekeeping things. Um, Substack, go check that out. I wrote an article today about um, the three Connecticut colleges that are competing at uh, NCAA in the NCAA tournament for baseball. I'm getting tongue tied right now. Um, Central Connecticut State is playing. We're gonna have actually at the end after the season ends. Uh, Connecticut native um, played at Maloney High School. Elliot Good, who's been getting a decent amount of play time this year. For the Blue Devils, he'll be joining the podcast before he heads up to New York to play summer ball. Um, UConn, they're playing against Michigan in the first round. Central has uh, Oregon, uh, which I it, it's it's going to be tough. But I mean, I, I talked to Elliot last night when I wrote the story. They he mentioned last time Central made the tournament. They went out west to play a Pac-12 team and they beat California. So. It, it, it is possible. I would love to see them win. And then Fairfield is 37-3 and right now. They're playing against Arizona State, but they look like, I, as much as I'd love to see them advance, they don't feel like the most likely to because Arizona State's a legit team. And Fairfield didn't play great competition this year. I mean, once again, I'd love to see them advance, but they're my I, – I think UConn can make it out of their bracket – with Michigan, Central Michigan, and Notre Dame in it. So keep an eye out on that. All those games are going to be on Friday night, so t- tonight or yesterday possibly. 
um, on ESPN three, I think. Uh, but yeah, so keep an eye on that. See how the teams are are, are playing. But yeah, go subscribe to the Substack articles from the office. Twitter is uh, at my parents' office. Instagram my parents' office. Uh, leave us a five star review. Write us a nice little review on there. Uh, boost the algorithm. Get us on some charts. Show us somewhere. But uh, other than that, what do you? Anything from you? Nope. Oh, uh, the move. The move, the big move you're going through right now. Um, we haven't really talked about it that much. What about it? <laughs> I mean, well, that we're not going to have as many in-person tapings anymore. Well, yeah, you're I mean, still going to be around. Like this, it'll it'll be a little different, but be a little different. Um, I mean, for a while we did a lot of Zoom. We'll continue yeah. doing that. Um, I, I think we might just be doing some stuff out of order. Like maybe do a few in person in a row. Yeah. Um. Pretty much, I'm taking my uh, preferred career serious and yeah. focusing on videography and media media for combat sports. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess we'll share some stories next week. So I got some stuff going on starting Monday. Yeah, definitely. Um. I mean, I'm yeah, I, do, I think we'll probably what do like when if you're around on a Sunday, if you're back up here, or if I'm down there. Yeah. I imagine we tape like a Monday, Wednesday. Yeah. And then. Do a Zoom on a Friday, or I'd do a Zoom on a Friday or something. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we're going to try to keep the in-persons going up until I go away for school. But, uh, yeah, I mean, keep keep listening. We've got the interview right now with a new friend of the program, Milkshaw Benedict. All right, now joining the show, we have on musician Milkshaw Benedict. How are you? I'm amazing, bro. I'm amazing. It's working hard, as always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to get you on. So little backstory, a uh, couple, uh, was it last weekend or two weekends ago, you were performing in Lawrence. I had a friend performing there. So I went out to support, uh, saw you perform and I thought, I mean, your, your music was great. You got the crowd really into it, which was, I think the, the best part of it. So uh, I, I think what, what you were doing was awesome. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. It's glad to make it out. Don't get to go to Lawrence too often, but it's a nice space over there. Now, so you're a Boston guy. You've got your – a lot of your songs are based about Boston. Like, you have your album um, that came out in 2019, A Boston Block Party. What like what does that mean, kind of, like, representing your city, um, especially one that's on a bigger scale like Boston? Um, one, I felt like, you know, ironically, a lot of people from Boston don't like to – um, say state that they are from Boston, mm-hmm. um, like the stigma that they it's 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 being less and less you know taken seriously. But there used to be a big stigma that you know if you say you're from Boston, then that automatically puts you in this like box. So like I'm an out the box type of guy, so therefore I automatically was just like you know this is where I'm from. I'm gonna take pride in where I'm at. Um, I'm from Roxbury also, so like just being from Roxbury. Um, growing up there, experiencing all the different, uh, you know, foods, the people. I mean, we're very, very, very unique people. So I wanted to express through a certain uh, energy, right? Mm-hmm. The album has a certain energy. It has a certain feel to it. It's very funky. It's very vibrant. Yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be super different. I wanted it to be very unique. And um, I wanted it to represent you know, my feeling of being in Boston, especially like the summer, you know, like yep. it's one of those things that 
it's one of those albums you really play like on a sunny day, you know, and uh, definitely all the way through type shit. So, um, uh, I, I I feel good representing, you know, my city. Um, I'm a party guy. I love to party, you know, so it just made sense for me to call a Boston block party and then, you know, have it be very, very vibrant and unique. And I wanted people to be able to come back to it and listen to it and be like, yo, this is, who is this? Like, what is this? I wanted people to either love it or hate it, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. No, no, being, like you said, Roxbury, like you've got the different cultures. How much has that really influenced you kind of being able to live around people of all different uh, races, cultures? And like you said, like the the food, the activities kind of played, uh, that, like you're experiencing all of that in a smaller area. How, mu- how much did that affect you? Oh, heavily. Um, I was able to, Boston is, is probably the size of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right? And I'm able to get to all different places in the city, whether it's on the train or the bus. Um, I'm able to meet so many people in like a quicker span of time than if yeah. I was in New York or someplace, right? So like me growing up, I grew up a, with a lot of like Somalian people because the mosque is right down the street from me. One of my best okay. friends, Ethiopian. Um, I grew up, you know, playing sports. So in the sports world, you know, you 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 go and play. You say, let's. I was playing basketball. I was also playing Pop Warner. I played Little League baseball. All of those things. You're meeting uh, different people in different areas. You know, you don't play. I didn't play all these sports in just one spot. I was yeah. traveling. AAU. You travel. You get to meet all different type of people. I went to uh, um, public school. I went to private school. I went to all these different places. I, I did all these different things. I was, I used to dance. So like, I used to have like a crew. We used to go downtown and dance. Okay. And, 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 you know, we met so many people through that life. Parties, you meet mad people through parties. So like, I mean, I'm, I've become, I have become like someone who has like observed so many different types of things that I feel like I'm a tastemaker. You know, okay. I can I'm able to like take you know, energies from certain places and certain times and like put it all together because I have all these experiences with all these different people, so many different types of people too. Yeah. Making it work, just like what you're seeing, pretty much putting it, putting it into your music. I think that's awesome. Now, um, so going from like public to private school, how did that kind of affect, like, like you said, I mean, that's growing up is different, but when you switch schools, especially going from uh, public in Boston to private school what was that kind of switch for you like was it a a difficult transition or were you able to kind of just go into it smooth so I was able to go into it smooth because I was at for my Boston people I was at the renaissance okay school up to like third grade and then that was public school or charter school public mm-hmm. charter in between and then I went to Catholic school from fourth to sixth grade which was technically it was private school, but it was, you know, it, it was, it was in Mission Hill. It wasn't like a big old Catholic school. And then I went to public school again, but it was an exam school. I went to Latin Academy, Boston Latin Academy. Okay. Which is, you have to take an exam to get into there. I went there seventh and eighth grade. And then I went to Catholic Memorial for high school, which is a private school. And the transition was actually, Actually, it was kind of difficult. I, the the education wise, it wasn't difficult because 
Um, my actually my middle school Latin Academy was actually really hard. And okay. my that, high, pre- that prepared you for high school. Like you felt I, ready, but like was, the, the academics wasn't an issue for you. It was maybe yeah, just, yeah. I was just doing like high school work, you know? So like, it wasn't, like high school wasn't that hard for me, but like when I went to private school, I actually had, I went to uh, all boys school too. So that was definitely a transition. Yeah. Uh, but like when you go to all boys school, it's like going to school in a frat. It's like a whole frat, you know what I mean? And <laughs> You go to school with all your boys, and I mean, you get to see girls after, you know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely, that definitely was a transition um, that I had to get used to. But it was better for sports, you know, like it was better for, for certain things. Um, it wasn't too far from the city. Like I was still in the city. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times when you go to private school, you have to travel really, really far. Yeah. I was far. I was in West Roxbury, which is the edge of the city, basically. Um, and uh, I, I ended up going to school. I, I in in middle school, I ended up going to school with a bunch of like, you know, with, with white people and stuff. So like like it wasn't like too much of a transition when I went, got mm-hmm. to private school. I understood like you know different cultures and different things. So um, it was it was it was a cool it was cool man. I I, I appreciated it a lot. I appreciated it a lot. No no. What what sports did you play in high school? I played football, I played basketball, and then I like dabbled in track, but then like I like stopped. Okay. I don't want to run to compete, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm actually a runner, but I don't I don't like to compete in it. Like I yeah, just yeah. I do it, I do it for myself, but yeah, I, I play basketball and football. One question we usually hold to the end if we're doing like an interview and uh somebody that's an athlete, but uh, we, we always like to talk about what people listen to uh, before a game. I think that's mm-hmm. always something very interesting. So like in high school, what was on maybe your football or basketball playlist, like maybe one or two songs that just were wow. consistent through your time playing? Wow. Wow. What, what a question. Ooh. Okay. Um, I remember, I remember, I think, I was banging, I definitely was banging um, Kanye, like certain, certain, I remember basketball, we used to play that room, room started up. I remember that was one of our songs we came out to. Um, What else, man? Waka Flocka. (laughs) Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Banged a lot of Waka. Um, I was... uh, Rick Ross, MC Hammer, I remember that, uh, BMF, uh, a lot of just like, like mean music, you know, yeah. that, I love, and I think that that's like, when you were at the performance, um, my last song, you know, like just like mean, you know, grimy stuff, that stuff has a big influence on me, maybe because of like my athlete days and like me competitive and me just like, you know, wanted wanted to fight. <laughs> that that it, it's weird. It's like that that mean music. Like it was good. It was just a di- a big change because you've got like you did uh, chocolate, which is a it, it's an it's an R and B feel to it. So when you're doing songs like that in a pool party, yeah, you, 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 like you have that vibe, and then it completely switches. How do how do you kind of mentally prepare yourself? To, uh, not even, when you're performing to change. Uh, 
your whole vibe while doing that? It is, it's who I am. Um, I said before, like I'm out the box. So what I do is I want to hook you in. I don't want to, I don't want to scare you away. Mm-hmm. You know, where let's say I did the last song. Let's say I did that first and depending on the crowd, it may work, you right. know, um, but I feel like, you know, the more that, the more things you can do to like, kind of like in yourself in is the better, especially with like nowadays or this generation, you don't want to, you don't want to come off too strong. Mm-hmm. You want, like if I did that, that first, and then I ended off with like pool party or chocolate, it would be like, I don't know if it would make more sense. You'd have, you'd have some people maybe hooked in, but you could lose like, like when chocolate, when you were playing chocolate, a lot of people were dancing. A lot of people were into it. So I think, you doing that is definitely a wicked smart thing to do because you're bringing everybody in at your, everybody's eyes are on you. So you could do a song that's meaner uh, and, and everybody's still going to be paying attention to it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like one part of performing, you know, I've been performing for a little while now. So like, I understand like, you know, which songs go better after each other or which songs maybe I should wait for, or, you know, how fat, how rapidly are the songs coming after each other, you know? And like, um, I figured, you know, the funkier songs are more welcoming. Yes. More welcoming. I even put, sometimes I, I even put the funkier songs in like, so let's say I have a, a longer set than that time you came to see. Like sometimes you have 30 minute sets, 45 minute sets. You put the funkier stuff in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So that like, you know, people get, a, are really loose. And then by the, by the end, you know, they're, they're like really like ready to hear anything that you're about to say. Yeah. And they're then, into it. No matter what, no matter what you're doing, they're into it. They're there for it. Like, like it, it doesn't matter. Exactly. So like, you, you know, like me, I'm, I'm able to switch in between because um, like I make these songs like this, is like I, I, I try to embody the music, whatever the beat comes on and whatever producer sends me um, a track. I try to make sure that I embody you know, the energy and the feeling of the song and deliver whatever I can. Obviously there's failures, um, but you know, the ones that I do have, I just know, I know they go, you know what I mean? I know that this, this works and yeah. this is how, this, how to, this is how you deliver it to a crowd, you know? And I think performing is probably one of my biggest assets. And um, a lot of people don't take pride in it. Like how I take pride in it. Now, when, when you get on stage, because I, I imagine it, it's nerve wracking. It takes a, a certain breed of people that can go up on a stage, be confident in what they're doing, um, kind of care what the audience thinks, but also not care uh, as much because you need to just be overall confident. What When did that switch kind of flip with you where you went from maybe – a little meeker in your performance to just fully embracing that. Like I'm, I make good music. I like my music and I'm just going to perform it for everybody that's here. Um, when I first started performing, I was, I wasn't as confident because I didn't have any music out. So I, I performed for like one to two years without any music out. Mm-hmm. Right. before I dropped my album I didn't have any music out but I had songs like Chocolate yeah. I had songs like Pool Party and I had a lot of those funkier songs that I was able to perform and like master really and figure out you know how to deliver these things and I was able to see 
the crowd's reactions to the, to the music. And um, I got a lot better. I got a lot better. I performed in front of zero people. <laughs> yeah. Really zero people <laughs> are there, but I'm, I'm there, you know, and I, that's my time to get on. And if somebody walks through the door, they might see me two people, you know, to, to, to a hundred people, you know, and I, I, I just assume that it's going to get more and more and more. Bigger, yeah. Like when you do it in front of five people and those five people are like, yo, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, that gives me super confidence. Cause it's just like, okay, you know, these five people right here, there's no one in here. So like they have, the, I, I have their full attention and if they like it, you know what it means? That means that like, okay, a lot more people are going to like that. And I think that most people don't get to uh, experience that, especially if let's say you go viral or you have like a really dope song. Mm-hmm. You might not know how to perform that song and, or you might not even have songs to compliment that song. Right, right. Just have one joint, you know, and I, um, sometimes that, that doesn't add to like your performance element. You really have to have like a cohesive type mm-hmm. of feeling, not even just a sound, like a real feeling because the sounds can switch, but yeah. like confident in yourself comes from doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And that only comes through, through experience, you know, and just putting yourself out there. And I feel like that's where the confidence comes from, especially for me, like just putting yourself out there, messing up. <laughs> I've messed up in front of crowds. You know what I'm saying? I messed up in front of people. I figured out what works for me. I can't, I can't get inebriated before I perform. You know what I mean? A lot of people can. So you know, just experiment and making sure you practice. I think I I like the point you bring up where you say you can't just like the people that blow up that have kind of just one song that, and that's definitely got to be difficult for somebody like that. I mean, a a more recent example would be somebody, I guess, maybe like a little Nas X where you have one song. You don't want to see somebody like that live because you don't want to hear that same song. Like if you rather hear somebody that has multiple good songs, because like you said, if they can play off each other, if you know what you're hearing, or even if it's the first time and they can play four or five songs off of one another, you're mm-hmm. you're gonna be immediately into it. Exactly. Exactly. Not the, like that's the most important part. The music's still important. It's it's still good to have a viral song. Yeah. Definitely. But you know, the performance part is where you're gonna make your money. That's that's important part, man. A lot of people overlook that. Now you say you can't get you don't you can't drink or smoke before you before you go on stage. Is that has that kind of have you ever done that before you've gone on stage or is that something you 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 found out you found out the hard way maybe through that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One time I got really high. <laughs> I forgot my lyrics, man. And I was just oh. like, I knew this was gonna happen, man. I never do this, you know, like I never did that. Like I I've I maybe like you might be I might be able to get like you know a drink in mm-hmm. and be good. But like for the most part, I can't be like like drunk. A lot of people perform like that. They that's they crazy. Ask me, that that's nuts <laughs> that people can do that. I'm impressed. I'm super impressed. You know, like I don't know how they do it, but me, I'm I'm like, no, I gotta be on point. I gotta make sure that that you know, I'm not slurring my words. I got to make sure that, you know, I'm getting everything down because when you perform for me, what if there's, what if there's Diddy in the crowd or something, yeah. you know, 
know what is what is this? Somebody important in the crowd. And and like I said before, like technically my songs aren't viral, you know what I'm saying? Not yet. But like like I gotta make sure that my stuff is on point. And um, you know, no matter if your song is viral, I feel like you should always strive to be on point. So if you can do that, inebriated, do your thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm nobody's following. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, just making sure that you are crossing your T's and dying your I's and being a professional about it. I feel like that's the most important thing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so kind of going all the way back, at what point did music kind of click for you? Did it become like, hey, I, I'm uh, actually good at this. Like I can... Uh, actually write songs and, and make something out of this? When, when did that really, that, that switch flip for you? The switch flip in college. I went to college. I went to UMass Amherst um, for a year. Mm-hmm. And then I dropped out because I wanted to do music. I started okay. smoking weed. I didn't smoke weed all throughout high school. And I just started, I don't know if anyone else has a story like this, but you just start reflecting. You start, you start thinking more. You start uh, asking yourself questions. Um, I was in school and I realized I didn't know what I was doing in school. Mm-hmm. I was always good. I was good at school. I'm a smart guy, so it was school wasn't never was never an issue. I just didn't know what I was doing there. I said, "Yo, why? I, I've just been going to school because my pops told me to go to school. You know what I'm saying?" Like. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the other shit that comes out of school, like friendships or, you know, parties or music, all that. And then I started realizing, I said, well, Mal, you are son of a DJ. I'm, 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 my dad's a DJ. Okay. Yeah, son of a DJ. You grew up around music your whole life. You love it. You love to dance. You love all these things. Yeah. You're an entertainer. You're, you, you, you have a pen. You can write. You know what I'm saying? Like I, yeah, I start yeah. and things. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. This 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 sounds more like this sounds more like milk. Like he can he he can do this. The school shit. I'm not down to do this. <laughs> I don't really like it. I never did. And, and I was just being good at something. Doesn't mean that you like it. Mm-hmm. I had to realize that. I was like, I don't like this shit. This shit. This is not for me, you know. So, I uh, I was really um, that it, it was in college that the, the the switch turned, and I wasn't that good. I wasn't that good at rapping. I I I, I used to show people stuff, and they used to be like, "Ah, it's it's okay," mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But I had confidence that it was gonna get better. So I think that you know me just not stopping. That that's that goes to one of that's one of my strengths. Just, I, I got I've gotten a lot better, man. <laughs> that switch that switch never turned off. That's awesome. Now, when you so you were older, kind of when you figured out that music was gonna be a thing for you. Um, yeah. I was, who do you? Because you like I said, you've kind of got that R and B vibe, especially like with the the songs. The two songs I love are Chocolate and Pool Party. I mentioned them already. Um, uh, when who do you kind of model your music after? Oh man, um, Kanye West, Pharrell, um, Busta Rhymes, 
Jay Z. I'm just naming my my biggest influencers. Yeah. And Michael Jackson and um. Like you get a mixture. I get it. I I get a mixture of like James Brown, Parliament, mm-hmm. Parliament, Um, I have so many influences, but those are like my top guys. Those yeah. are like my guys: Pharrell, Jay, uh, Kanye, Busta Rhymes. If we're talking about rappers, like those are my, those are my favorites. No, if you had to give me what, if you had to give me your top Kanye album, because I'm I'm a big Kanye fan. Where? Because they're really, there there are wrong answers, but if you picked, like, there's four of them you could pick that you could argue legitimately to be his top album. Oh, my gosh. You're going to do that to me. Um, oh, my gosh. It's not easy. It, 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 it's Graduation. 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 Graduation's up there for me. Um, there's like no skips on that. Late registration. I li- I recently listened to College Dropout, and it's such a good album. It's, it's great. It's it's a, awesome. Such a well put together album. Uh, geez, man. I, I think the other the other one you can make the argument for is my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. That that's the uh, the fourth one I'd say. I was gonna say the production on that might be the best the features as well too like Nicki minaj rick ross it, it it's go crazy they go crazy on that one yeah crazy between graduation and uh oh my gosh I, let me just say graduation i was i'm i'm not i'm not sold on that answer because he has legitimate classics, yeah. <laughs> legitimate classics that, you know, a person like me can only strive to, to match. Now, were you a, a fan of uh, Watch the Throne, the Jay-Z Kanye album? That was, a, that was, I think, over the, of the past, I think it was, came out maybe in 2010, 2011, was, is one of the best albums of the past 10 years or past 10, 11 years. It, it was insane, the two of them together. A mo- that moment in in history will never be. I don't know how, how who, can, who I don't know who's gonna be able to top that. that. There's really not another duo I think that could come together at this point in music and make an album with the amount of songs that they had on it that were instant classics. Facts, facts. I think that uh, maybe you get like a if you get like a J Cole Kendrick, but even yeah. that. They're not they're they're not making music like like Kanye and Jay make like everybody type of music. Yes. You well, know? and they had like they had Otis on the Otis song Otis, and you're using Otis Redding in the song. Otis Redding, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. Unre- and then you have uh, so you go from a song like Otis to a song like uh, Made in America, and then you go right into Ham. It's so all over the place the music they have on there. But it just all works together. And it, like I said, I don't think another duo, at least right now, could do an album like that. I agree. I agree. Not a lot of uh, artists, producers like Kanye. Like, I feel like Kanye, he, he, he gets a bad rap because he does, he does say things that 
don't really make sense. Um, yeah. But when it comes to like the music, I mean, there's not many people who ha- have mastered like rapping and producing as well as him. It, I, don't, it, I don't know. I mean, I, we could throw some names out, but I'm sure it's not on the Kanye level. No, I, I, yeah, like you said, I don't think re- that you could. There are probably guys maybe a tier below, but nobody that's gonna really touch him, um, at least in the next few years, too. Yeah, he he's he's on a different. So like him, and then Jay's masterful MC level. Yeah, you're right. I don't know who's gonna be able to touch that. Man. No, nobody. That's that's the answer right there. No, at least right now, nobody. Unmatched. Now. You, uh, where does the name uh, Milkshaw Benedict come from? What, how did your stage name really come about? That's something I'm always very curious about is the, the backstory on uh, people's performing names. So Milk is my nickname. My real name is Malcolm. I see all the, the hood milk gear. I mean, this will be up on YouTube. People will be able to see the T-shirt. They'll be able to see the hat. So uh, I, I, do, I do see that right there. Sir, so my nickname is Milk, right? And in school, I would, I'm a, I'm a doodler, doodler. So in school, whenever I got distracted, I would make different variations of milk nicknames, right? Playing around the milkiatrist, you know, I'm the, I'm the milk doctor. I am the, the milkinator or whatever it is, you know, and I was graffiti drawing all these names. And one of the names that I came up with was a secret agent name. Like if I were to ever have a secret agent name and it was Milkshaw Benedict, right? <laughs> and when I got to be like, you know, I'm okay, I'm gonna be a rapper. I'm gonna do this and do that. Um, I didn't wanna be called Milk because I felt like if you search Milk in, it's not, I'm not gonna come up. Right, you're gonna find like like you're gonna find hood milk. That that's what you're gonna find right there. Exactly. You're gonna find something, you're gonna find so many other links that have to do with milk that is just not milk, right? So I was just like, Well, everyone still can call me milk, but let me just let me use this name. Let me use this. This name is crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. it's a name, like it doesn't necessarily have anything like there's real no meaning in it, mm. but just being like out there and milkshot benedict is that that's where it came from man it's it came from me being silly no bully like just me being me <laughs> it's like a, out, the back, out there milkshot benedict like what so i yeah. i love i i love hearing the stories like that with the uh background on uh people's performance names like i had a kid on trey breezy um and he's like honestly he goes um, the third in my family, he goes, I just entered that name every time, every year I'd get the new 2k, I'd name my player, uh, Trey Breezy. He's like, uh, excited on that. So I love when people are able to do something that like kind of just comes from their past. Like you making up milk nicknames, I think is just, that's crazy. And just funny that you landed on your secret agent milk nickname, uh, milk shop. I think that's awesome. I might have to make the song called secret agent milk. That would be great. It would be secret agent milk. Like now, when, when you say like with the doodling, is that so I, I'm a huge cover art fan. Mm-hmm. Is that, Did you do your cover art for your album? I did. OK. I, now, now, can you talk a little about that? Because it, it's super intricate. I mean, if you look at every little piece of it, there's something going on. So what was the 
the the process and whole uh, point of your uh, drawing? I I drew the cover art for the project um, out of again like I doodle like I I I have these like ideas that I never thought I would actually do like visual art, but um, I had like this style like I love stick figures because. Um, I can like manipulate them in any way possible. Yeah. Right? I can do so many different things with them. So like when I was, uh, I was drawing and I figured like, oh, this could be the inspiration. I actually drew something before I drew the cover. I drew another um, like, like inspirational piece. And I was like, okay, let me do something like this for the cover art. And then I ended up drawing cover arts for each song of the album and that was my manager's idea he was like okay like this is dope i think you should draw like cover arts for each song on the album and i was like oh you know that's that's actually really dope and um i ended up doing that and they all ended up coming around so dope i was just like man i didn't know i had this in me but you know just pushing to make things really dope i i figured out that i can that i can draw and um that was like the inspiration for it. I feel like uh, it came out really dope. Like you said, the little intricate details and, and yeah, everything. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. Now I have like my own little style of, you know, drawing. And then, and then I, I think definitely, especially when you pull up your Apple page, that's the first one you see. The majority of your top songs are from that. So when you see that, I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of cover art. I think when people put time and effort into it, it should get recognized, but uh, it, it's because when you look at your Apple, it goes your first three singles that are up are all just different pictures with writing. So I think you switching over to doing your own cover art where you actually like design it and uh, tinker with it and do your own thing. I think that's awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate yeah. you. I try to get as as in tune with um all of the pieces of my process mm-hmm. make sure now a song i we keep going back and forth on it. a song like chocolate um i i've had it i've been playing it a bunch i've had it stuck in my head right now uh what what was the whole inspiration behind it because when you really listen to it the lyrics are odd like do do you like chocolate it, it's funny um but it's super catchy so what was the whole process behind you making that type of song? Um, dope story. I went to Governor's Ball one year with my producer and it was in New York. And I just got a vibe. We were watching some dude, I forgot his name. This is Funky, he's a funky white dude, right? And we was already on this, I forgot his name. Um, I think something like that. Um, but um, we, we could, we were just catching a vibe in New York and we were already on this like funky, like road. We were doing a lot of funk stuff. And I said, I said to him, when we get back, I'm gonna make a song called Chocolate. And it's gonna be an ode to all the chocolate people, you know, in the world, but it's gonna be like really dope. And also like when I was growing up, so as a black man, there are certain stigmas that are put inside of your head that you don't even know are in your head. 
So when I was younger, I used to, I liked dark brown skinned women, but I, I liked light, light skinned women, like, I guess, technically more, right? Yep. As I grew up, that changed, you know, and I love brown skinned people, brown skinned women, brown skinned people in general, right? So I was just like, yo, let me, let me, let me make an anthem. I wanted to make an anthem for chocolate people all around the world. And uh, when we got back to Boston, we made the beat. I came up with the concept. I, I came up with the melody and it was a rap from there. And uh, that song, that song is going to be forever. Definitely. Yeah. It's just overall, the vibe to it is awesome. It, it's super catchy too. Yeah, yeah man. I, I, I love that song. I don't think I'll ever not, you know, try to perform that song. The song is, is and the story is cool. You know what I'm saying? There's a little little story of me hollering at a girl. All yep, different yep. Man, easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> now, now, kind of going back to performing, when you came out in Lawrence, you had the, I don't know if it was like a scarf or, uh, you know, what was it? A babushka. Yes, you had that on. You had that on your head. Um, what's with that? Because you post the Instagram pictures, you got that on too. Like, is that your signature style, or is that something you're gonna keep going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna do silk by milk soon. Silk by milk. All right. That's that's one of my looks. That's one of my looks. I feel like as a performer and as an artist, everyone should have a look, and you got to make sure that you know you you experiment with one. That one works for me. You know, and a lot of people always ask me, like, what is this scarf that you have on your head? And I'm just like, it's my babushka, you know, <laughs> babushka. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that, so that's going to be your, so that in the shades, that's your consistent style for, uh, for performing? Yeah, most, most likely, you know, it, it depends, it depends on, on how I'm feeling. I, I wear, I wear a bunch of different type of things. Um, like I got, like I got this dope jumpsuit. I would show you um, right now, but it's it's so far over there. But all good. Dope jumpsuit. I got a um, designer. He made it. Uh, he made like two of them for me, and they're really like custom made jumpsuits. I got a bunch. Of, I, I I try to wear like some of my stuff mm -hmm. in it, but you know, never just one look. But I want to make sure that people remember what I look like. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have, before I let you go, uh, do you have any, like when you know you've got a performance coming up at, at night, do you have any maybe rituals or just superstitions that you kind of take part in? Like maybe something you eat in the morning or a time you'll wake up or just something you just in general will do, um, yeah. just out of, uh, out of habit. Yeah. I, I, I run in rap. So like I run in rehearse. Okay. Uh, I remember my mother telling me one time that like, you know, Destiny's Child, they had to, uh, Beyonce's father had them running and singing, you know? And I always thought that was like crazy because when you're running, you're like, you, the last thing you want to do is be talking or, 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 or singing or rapping. Cause right, you just right. breath. But, um, I've, I've been doing it for some years now and, um, my breath control is crazy now you know being able to like run and rap really uh helps you focus on the rap 
mm-hmm. um, and getting it out. So like it kind of cements it in your head. Yeah. Um, doing it. And um, it helps with your breathing control while you're on stage. Um, that's one of the things that I feel like, you know, a lot of people should also do run and rap and uh, you'll never, you'll never like, you know, feel like you're not ready. <laughs> like you're here, you're, you're literally like pushing yourself physically and, you know, mentally at the same time. So that's one of the things that's, I definitely do. But other than that, I like to take a nap before okay. if I can take a nap before, because um, what ends up happening is you prepare, you prepare, you prepare, and you end up just waiting to perform. Like for me, like I end up just like waiting because I'm so like locked in, you know, like I'm just waiting and I don't yeah. like, I like to like get in and out type shit. Like I don't want to be waiting for so long for hours. Wake me up. You know what I'm saying? Like like 30 minutes before. So yeah, that locked I, in. Yeah. I can, and I'll just be good. You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I'm 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 too amped right now. You know what I'm saying? So I gotta make sure that like um I get a little bit of rest, but that's it's not much. It's not much. I drink tea. Make okay. sure this is correct. Um, but if not, if you if, if if not any of those other things, definitely running and rapping before. That's crazy. I've never heard of that. That's nuts. Yeah, you got to run and rap, man. It's Outcast used to do it, run around the block. You know what I'm saying? Make sure your your, your breathing is correct, especially when you're singing a lot and you got to like a lot of songs um, where you, you're, you're rapping and you, your voice has to be correct and your breathing has to be. You can't run out of breath on stage. That's the worst. Now, now if you know you have like a 15-minute set versus a night you may have a, a 35 or 40-minute set, Oh yeah. Are then, you running? Are you changing up your runs? Like, well, if you have a fifteen minute set, will you do maybe like a twenty minute run? And then if you've got a forty minute, will you do like an hour run? Or just is it a consistent maybe thirty minutes every time? Well, I run. I run. I run maybe the same amount. Um, it depends. It depends. You're, yeah, it depends. Sometimes I'll run and uh, I won't rap. Sometimes like I'll, I'll just run and I'll run farther. You know what I mean? Or sometimes I'll run because I live near a beach. I'll run to the beach then I'll run to like a basketball court and then I'll do suicides. So it doesn't really, yeah, doing like suicides helps because um, it's a little bit more fast, fast, fast paced. Mm-hmm. That actually is a little bit more like intense. So like, I don't need to run longer because like I'm running faster and, and it's harder to get the words out when you're running faster. I was going to say, and you're still rapping while doing suicides also. Exactly. So like that actually is a great question though. Like, because I, I usually tend to probably do like the same thing mm-hmm. um, because I just, I, I personally feel like, like I'm going to be okay. But um until the day I get an hour set, uh, I'll probably be doing the same 45-minute running, rapping, workout. Like, sometimes, you do, you know, you do push-ups and pull-ups in between your suicides and stuff. So, it's, 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 it's good that I was an athlete. Let's just say that. Because now yeah. I still have that mindset of, like, oh, my physical has to be right in order for me to do all this stuff. 
That's awesome. Uh, Milkshaw Benedict, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, plug away. Where can everybody find you on social media and where can everybody find you or where can everybody listen to you? Um, you can listen to me on all platforms. Mm-hmm. I just got the mixtape in March called Mixtape Milk. Um, check that out. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Milkshaw Benedict. Um, also on Facebook at Milkshaw Benedict. On Twitter, it's just Milkshaw. M-I-L-K-S-H-A-W. Um, uh, Plugging with me in general, man. Like I'm, I'm making a lot of different um, moves, and I'm, I'm figuring out like how to really work this independent system. Mm-hmm. So, um, plug in with me, talk to me. I'm encouraging people to reach out to me. Uh, let's talk ideas. Um, let's talk music, uh, and let's 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 create something that is going to be bigger than us. Definitely. Next time you get, you've got music coming out or if you've got a big show you want to promote, uh, reach back out. And uh, I'd be more than happy to get you back on. I, I, had a, I had a blast doing this, man. Yeah, man, of course. And come, come through. We got a show. We got shows all throughout June. All right. um, if, if I can coordinate with you, there's a block party on June 12th um, that I'm performing at. Uh, June 26th, I feel like is the is the show you really really want to come to because that's what a lot of Boston artists. Um, but um, I'll be plugging in with you, man. I'll, I'll I'll be in contact. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast, and stay tuned for more episodes we're going to be bringing to you. baby, got me stressed on vacation, no escaping, playing with my head in my heart. She would shut me up quick, like don't even start. But when I found somebody, you tried to pull us apart. You.